Hey, it's Leah Turner, and you are listening to Jeff on the Hunt with Jeff Hunt. From the radio dial to the cloud and everywhere in between, this is Jeff on the Hunt with Jeff Hunt. It is Friday, April 23rd, 2021, and welcome to episode 20 of Jeff on the Hunt. I am Jeff Hunt, and episode 20, we made it. It's a milestone, a small one, but a milestone nonetheless. And if you've been here for all 20 episodes, thank you very much for helping make the podcast such a success and for giving me a voice and an outlet during my time away from the radio. So I could not do this without you, and I appreciate you all very, very much, really more than you could ever know. I also want to say a big thank you to Leah Turner for stopping by the show last week. And there are more interviews in the works, don't worry. I just couldn't get those scheduled in time for this week, but there is a lot of work going on behind the scenes, and there are plenty more to come, that much I can guarantee you. But for this episode, I kind of wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk about a rock and roll mystery. Now, it's one that's really famous overseas, especially in the UK where this happened, but you may not have heard of it here in the States because the band it involves, they never really broke through in America for a variety of different reasons, but it's still a very interesting mystery nonetheless. And I do want to take you along the ride to try and figure out what happened to Richie James Edwards from the band Manic Street Preachers. But before we get into that mystery, I'll give you a little background on the band themselves. Manic Street Preachers formed in 1986 in Blackwood, Wales, and they consist of James Dean Bradfield on lead guitar and lead vocals, Nicky Wire on bass, Sean Moore on drums, and Richie James Edwards on rhythm guitar up until his disappearance in 1994. They released their first EP called New Art Riot in 1990, and their debut album Generation Terrorists followed in 1992. Yes, they really named their debut album Generation Terrorists, so you may have an idea as to what you're in for with this band. And if you don't like political themes or political lyrics, I'm telling you right now, the Manic Street Preachers are not your band because they make Public Enemy and Rage Against the Machine sound like the monkeys. That is how political this band gets, and they wear it on their sleeves. They released their second album, Gold Against the Soul, in 1993. That album and Generation Terrorists were both released in America, but Generation Terrorists in a very heavily edited form. There were some songs left off the album in America altogether. Other songs were remixed because the record label just assumed this band might cause a little controversy if we release this album as intended in America. But nonetheless, if you do want to get into the band and political lyrics and political themes don't bother you all that much, it might be worth picking up Generation Terrorists and Gold Against the Soul and kind of working from there. As we get closer to the disappearance of Richie Edwards, they released their third album in 1994 called The Holy Bible. Yes, they called their debut album Generation Terrorists, and they called their third album The Holy Bible. You might be noticing right now, this band really doesn't care who they offend, and they kind of do their own thing no matter what anyone says or thinks or does about it. Now, as for the band's internal structure, Richie wrote most of the lyrics along with Nicky Wire, while James and Sean wrote the music. That was a pretty established formula for the band since their beginning, and even though Richie was technically the band's rhythm guitar player, 
there is dispute as to how much guitar he actually played. He didn't play on the band's albums, and even when the band played live, Richie's guitar was pretty much turned off, so he was pretty much miming along to the music. But Richie was basically the band's mascot, and he was the band's main songwriter, so he did get up on stage and do his thing. But again, how much guitar he actually played live during the concerts, that is definitely up for debate. It's also worth noting that the band is still together and releasing new music to this very day, and their music after Richie's disappearance, it's definitely a lot poppier and a lot more accessible than the stuff with Richie was, so their later material definitely may be your cup of tea no matter what. So now that the background is out of the way, it's finally time to break into this mystery to try and figure out what happened to Richie James Edwards. It's February 1st, 1995, and Richie and James Dean Bradfield are due to fly to America from England on a promotional tour for the Holy Bible. It's been released in the UK by this point to good reviews, but not great sales, and it's really the band's last chance to break through in America. So, on the day that the band is due to fly, Richie is nowhere to be found. And in the two weeks leading up to the day the band was supposed to fly out of England, Richie withdrew 200 pounds a day from his bank account, totaling 2,800 pounds on the day the band was due to fly. So, it's time to leave, and James Dean Bradfield is in the hotel lobby waiting for Richie, and Richie never comes down from his room. So, they go check and Richie is nowhere to be found, but his belongings are still in his hotel room. He took very few things with him and left the rest behind. So it is pretty much an accepted theory, no matter what, that Richie did not plan on going to America that day, and it's still suspect as to whether Richie planned to stay in the band beyond the Holy Bible at this point. So it turns out that early in the morning, Richie checked out of the hotel, and this hotel was the Embassy Hotel on Bayswater Road in London. He checked out at 7 in the morning. That part is confirmed. He drove to his apartment in Cardiff, Wales. Again, he drove to Cardiff from London, which is a pretty good distance, all things considered. And then in the two weeks that followed, he was spotted in a passport office in Newport and the Newport bus station. On February 7th, so six days after he officially went missing, a taxi driver in Newport supposedly picked Richie up at a hotel in Newport and drove him around Blackwood, which is where Richie grew up as a child. Then on February 14th, Richie's car, a Vauxhall Cavalier, which I'm really not too familiar with, to be totally honest, but that's the car that he drove, received a parking ticket at the Severn View service station, and then three days later, on February 17th, 1995, the vehicle was reported as abandoned, and after police kind of took a look around and investigated it, it did seem like Richie had been living in the car for an indeterminate amount of time. Now, this is kind of the part where theories really start to kick in as to what may have happened to Richie, because the car was abandoned and the battery was dead, that's worth mentioning too, but the vehicle was abandoned at the service station near the Severn Bridge. Now, this bridge was apparently known as a popular suicide spot 
in the UK for many years at that point, so it's very easy to determine or at least come to the conclusion that Richie may have jumped off the bridge and took his own life. Richie had been dealing with not only substance abuse issues, but also mental health issues, so just kind of taking his mental state into consideration at the time, it's not hard to arrive at that conclusion. But during many interviews in the past, Richie has been quoted as saying that the S word, and that's how he not only described that word, but also the way all described the word as to not set anyone off that may not want to hear that word right now, and just for safety, all things considered. But it's very easy to suggest that he may have jumped off the bridge, but he also, again, did say that the S word never crossed his mind, that he might be a weak person, but he would never take his own life. At this point, we're up to the police investigating as to whether or not Richie did jump, and there was no evidence of his body being found. I believe a tennis shoe was found at one point, but there's no way to determine if it was Richie's, but Richie apparently just vanished into the night and was never seen again. And if you're thinking this is where the story ends, you'd be wrong. Because in the years that Richie had disappeared, he has been spotted supposedly all over the world. At a market in Goa, India, and even on the islands of Fuerteventura and Lanzarote. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing those correctly. I have no idea where those are in the world. But supposedly, Richie has been spotted in those locations. If eyewitness reports are to be believed, at least. Now, there is speculation as to how well the internal police investigation has been handled over the years. Now, Richie's sister, Rachel, has lashed out at police for years on end, saying that they didn't really take the investigation all that seriously, and that it was far from satisfactory, in her words. So at this point, really the only thing that is known is that Richie crossed the toll bridge heading towards the Severn service station at 2.55 a.m., and he was never seen again. One thing I thought that was really cool is that ever since his disappearance, up until he was legally presumed dead on November 23rd, 2008, is that the band did keep depositing Richie's share of the royalties into his bank account. So in case he ever planned on coming back, he'd have money there waiting for him. But up to this point, as of the day I'm recording this, April 23rd, 2021, Richie Edwards, is still nowhere to be found. And if you're not familiar with Manic Street Preachers, and even I'm not as familiar as I should be with the band, even though I do consider myself a fan, I think it's really hard to understand just how big of a cult-like figure Richie was in the UK at this time. He was definitely up there with Kurt Cobain as far as the tortured artist kind of persona went. He had a lot of fans, and a lot of young fans especially were able to connect with Richie through his lyrics and his interviews, and his actions. So Richie definitely had an impact, no matter how short that impact may have been. Now, it is also worth noting that to this very day, when the band plays live, they still set up a fourth microphone for Richie, even though the band is officially a three-piece, and they're augmented by touring musicians that help round out the sound. 
but there is always an empty microphone stand there for Richie, again, just in case he ever decides to come back one day. And that's how the story ends. Unfortunately, with a bit of a whimper, being that there was never really any closure given to Richie's family or the band's fans or the band themselves, but I think it is unfortunately most probable that Richie did jump from the Severn Bridge that night, but again, there's still really no conclusive evidence to prove that. Now, it's likely based on the circumstantial evidence, but Richie could have just disappeared off into the mountains and also ended up on an island halfway around the world as well. We may never know. I still like to hope that one day, though, Richie will just make an appearance and say, guys, I'm here, I'm alive, I'm well, I'm happy, but the whole music thing really wasn't for me anymore. I doubt that'll ever happen, and we may not find out the answer as to what happened to Richie James Edwards until we have a chance to ask God any question we want to, if you should choose to go in that direction. But until that day comes, I don't think we're ever going to know 100%. That'll do it for this episode of Jeff on the Hunt. As we hunt for Richie James Edwards, but unfortunately we don't really find any conclusive evidence. Like I said, I am working on securing a few other interviews for the next few episodes of the podcast, so stay tuned for that. And until next time, be safe, take care of yourselves, and most importantly, have a great one. Feedback is always welcome. Drop a comment and remember to subscribe so you get new episodes first. You have been listening to Jeff on the Hunt with Jeff Hunt.